three score. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word of feeling bummed out? Quite you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to the Great Scott Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? You sound like crazy sick, dude. You all right? Yeah, I um, I have a... Uh, I don't know. I was going to try to come up with some office disease, but I had nothing. I was going to be like bear flu, <laughs> uh, the bees pox or something. Well, that does make sense, so... Yeah, no, I'm the, you know, it's, uh, the weather's changing temperatures over here on the East Coast, as you know, it's like getting warm all of a sudden. I think all that sudden change is affecting my sensitive immune system. Yeah, it'll do that to you. I mean, I'm trying to get sick as well, so hopefully it stays away. I see. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. <laughs> um, well, everybody, as you know, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. Um, so visit brokenjars.xyz to check out some of our other great shows, High Fantasy, starring Jacob, um, Dresden Files, sometimes featuring Jacob, I imagine. Do you ever go on that show? Uh, I've been on it tw- two, two or three times, but it's been a long time since I've been on a, a, an episode. That's fair. Well, you know, you're, you're dedicated to the um, Great Scott cause. Right, and I don't have enough brain space to know all of this stuff. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you can't know both. Um, and happy to announce Dangerous to Go Alone, which is uh, is back now. That's starting. Uh, we've switched to a yeah, we switched to a biweekly format, so um, alternating weeks of Great Scott. So every week you could hear me talk. Yeah, that's that's how I do with High Fantasy. Yeah, high Fantasy is on the weeks opposite of Great Scott. So yeah, I mean, especially when you do multiple shows, you just gotta switch to that biweekly format. Otherwise, you have to quit your job. <laughs> yeah i don't know how some uh, guys do it like they'll they'll have like four podcasts a week like <laughs> yeah it's not to me especially because like i edit dangerous to go alone you edit great scott but you also edit high fantasy is that right yeah i do now yeah, yeah. so you, you do a lot of production work that's mm-hmm. crazy yeah. um if you want to get in touch with us visit twitter at broken jars pod instagram we are at broken jar broadcasting is it jar or no, it's jars. There's a typo. That's, that's my bad. <laughs> broken jars broadcasting on Instagram. Um, we have YouTube broken jars broadcasting. And then on, we have a subreddit, uh, r slash broken jars podcasts. And don't forget our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Uh, give us the monies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't ask for much a buck or two. And, uh, uh, if you donate $2 or more, you get access to our Patreon um, Discord channel, and we have quite a few Broken Jars fans in there, and it's some interesting hijinks go on. Mostly people saying, "Watch out!" There's spam bots sharing child pornography. Right, I, I saw that. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap! Now I gotta like <laughs> be careful with Discord at work. I know, like, what a way to wake up in the morning. And and for everybody who's using Discord when they probably shouldn't be using it at work and all that fun <laughs> stuff, right? Right. Um, well, we are um, wrapping up season four today, doing a in-depth focus on Goodbye Toby. Yeah, because like, I started taking notes on this yesterday, and I think I set a record for most pages. It, I, 
I probably paused it at least 10 times, like pause and like take notes, think about it. So and then we're going to wrap up our season four with our top three episodes of the season. Uh, yep. probably discuss season a little bit and, you know, talk about season five a little bit and then we'll be done. Easy peasy, nice, short, tight show. But, um, you know, it's a, it's an episode that deserves its own episode. I agree. And we're sorry for being a day late. That's my fault. I was really tired. So I asked to push the podcast. I literally went to bed at seven o'clock yesterday. Yeah. I was going to say really tired is like selling yourself short because bedtime by seven is kind of nuts. Well, I didn't get to sleep in this weekend. That's neither here nor there. That's fair. So, uh, season four, episode 14, Goodbye, Toby. Um, written by Jennifer Salata and Paul Lieberstein, directed by Paul Feig. Um, kind of crazy to be uh, the center of the story and then also write it, you know? But he's barely in the episode. <laughs> That's true. That's true, too. It just has his name in the title. Right. Um, before before we jump in, I did read a fun fact today that it took um, Jen and Paul eight days to write the script for this episode. Is that a long time? Uh, I don't know, but that's just how long it took. <laughs> and they did some uh, fun bits where like um, certain talking heads, and maybe they do this all the time, but it was pointed out specifically for this episode that what the writers will do is that everybody will take a chance at writing a talking head for a particular situation. Um, so say michael's reaction to holly later on in the episode um and everybody reads them out loud and whichever one gets like the best response is the one that ends up in the episode so the uh you know we'll get there but the uh bread maker the baker professional baker <laughs> comment yeah that that's one of those comments that won out apparently that's awesome yeah. that's a that's a great line uh but so we get this the, the cold open where jim takes over dwight's cell phone and he's got this great line where he's just like, he left his cell phone out, so naturally I paired it to my headset. That's right. <laughs> Jim's like, it's obviously Dwight's fault here, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Pam calls Jim on through Dwight's phone, and, you know, he had forward, Jim had forwarded Dwight's office phone to his phone, and so this is really good, just back and forth between Jim and Pam while they're both uh, messing with uh, Dwight. Yeah. You know, like as as I was watching, it, it's like really funny, obviously. But now as you're saying it, I'm like, well, all the forwarding is irrelevant to the Bluetooth part, though. He could have been doing that forever ago. I mean, I guess it's nifty to have the Bluetooth in his head so it's easy to answer those calls. But he could have forwarded all that stuff to his cell phone anyways, apparently. Like the Bluetooth didn't enable him to do that. Right. Well, I mean, to pair to, you have to have the phone to pair to the head to the Bluetooth. Oh, he paired the Bluetooth to his cell phone. That's right. What it is. Right. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. And then he forwarded it. his desk phone to his cell phone. So okay. So there's only one instance of forwarding. I get it. Right. Okay. Right, so right, right. That's that's the disease talking here. I get it. <laughs> I'm with you. What are we talking about, Parks and Rec? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually just watching that before I came in. My yeah. If we end up actually doing that show, that'd be a fun show to do. I think that show was insanely gifable. Uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah, like all like the little one-liners and big cartoony reactions and stuff. Right. right. Uh, yeah. So we're we we're in with the party planning committee, and we realize that they only have two pictures of Toby. Mm -hmm. And so my question here is: Do you think that's because of Michael or because of Toby? 
Like, is Toby always, like, is Toby the one taking the picture so Michael doesn't have to look at him? Or is Toby just kind of like the guy who always is away from the camera? You know, that's a good point. I figured maybe an instance of him not being invited to functions that are worth taking pictures of. Well, it is true. Um, I mean, we do have, uh, you know, Beach Day is a good example where he, he gets forced to stay at the office when everyone else is going but, to the um, beach. That's right. But um, also, too, I could also see it like just not being a work environment where they take a lot of photos. And I think generally people don't like leave happily. Like you get um, Devin, who is fired. You get Karen, who kind of quit unceremoniously. Uh, there was that dude who killed himself prior to the series <laughs> starting. So I feel like you don't have a lot of instances of people like putting in their two weeks and having an am- amicable separation. So the photos probably never came into play until this kind of thing. Right. Eh, that makes sense. But I just, I kind of got the feeling that like, this is Michael's fault. <laughs> there isn't, uh, mm-hmm. that there isn't more pictures of Toby. That's fair. Uh, so when we, so Michael starts talking about how Toby is the devil or like the mm-hmm. devil and the, you would throw parade if the devil were to leave forever. So he wants to do this giant big thing. And Angela's like, no, you can't do that. This is when the Phyllis, like he turns to Phyllis, like, can you do this? And she's like, yes. So this is like, and you can tell Angela's like really pissy about it because she got dethroned as, you know, party planning committee. Yeah. And so here's another question. So Michael has his foot money. So his grandmother had been sending him, you know, $50 $50 for his birthday, but kept forgetting. Right. So I would have to assume it's a different grandma than right. the one from Michael Scott Paper Company, but we never hear anything about his dad's side of the family or Jeff's side of the family or, you know, either. Like, I don't know if he ever really refers to his dad. Yeah, that's a good point. We don't really know why Jeff comes into play. Like, was there even a divorce? Like maybe it's one of those like out of wedlock babies and then Jeff comes in later, you know? Right. So that could be that. So is, it could be <clears throat> Jeff's grandmother who's going senile and sending. Uh... Like it'd be. Yeah. I feel like it'd be his mom, his mom's mom. Right. But based on like their relationship, like they're friendly, obviously. And he holds so much contempt for Jeff. And then what you're just, what you're talking about here, like the, uh, <laughs> her kind of losing her marbles a bit may just be a, a little retcon. You know, right. Something I mean, like that, that's kind yeah. of what I've wondered. <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, to jump back to last episode, actually, there was a big discussion on Reddit about the, uh, Pam volleyball thing. Oh yeah. Uh, the consensus was pretty much split. People were like justifying it by saying, well, you know, maybe she wasn't into sports in high school specifically because she didn't like her classmates or whatever, but she still liked volleyball. You know, you know, there's some valid arguments, but I'm still under the impression that it's a pretty cray cray uh, change to her kind of storyline. Right. Especially because it's just like it never comes like it's just there for that one episode and it just kind of goes away. Right. Right. They don't give Cece like a little baby volleyball thing, you know, like it's not part of her. <laughs> like she needs to pass this on or anything like that. Right. Well, and if she was a collegiate level volleyball player, you know, you would think that she could be like the teacher at the high school or something. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, I don't know. Just a lot of, a lot of different options. It feels like could have stemmed from that. 
and I guess maybe it's a, a generalization that is inaccurate, but you feel like maybe sports people might have a little bit more confidence and Pam seems like such kind of like a, a meek and shy individual that, um, I don't know. It's not until like volleyball happens where Pam kind of opens up and she's like this in your face and all that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> so we, we learn that, uh, Pam gets into Pratt. Did we know that Pam applied to Pratt? Like we 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 saw her talking to you know the IT guy in uh, career fair. So I don't like. I guess I guess it isn't like a surprise that she got like applied to schools. But I don't know. I don't know if they said anything about her actually applying to a school. Yeah, I don't think um, there's a specific uh, mention. I think actually this is the first time we hear that she's actually applied, like as she gets accepted. Um, so she probably goes to a few, but I mean, I don't know nothing about schools in general. I mean, I went to a state college, but um, Pratt's a good school, right? Uh, from what I understand, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know a ton about it. So, but she, I mean, you know, she's oh. got some skills that pay the bills theoretically. So, <laughs> yes, but she can't do quirk apparently. <laughs> Whatever apparently that is, not, yeah, she uh, but. This is like the really great scene. So she goes in and she tells Jim, and of course, you know, her eyes are all sparkly. You know, it's all in the eyes. Um, <laughs> and Jim, like, this is the first time where we really see the difference between Jim and Roy and how they treated Pam. Because mm-hmm. Jim's just immediately, that's great. That's awesome. But she's like, it's in New York. And, you know, she's trying to sort of back out of it. But Jim's like, no, we can do this. We can do the long distance. It's only two hours. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of instances moving forward, starting with the season where Jim's kind of like a farty douche, uh, to put it lightly. But, um, yeah, you're right. This is a this is a good example of him, like, really being a good uh, significant other to Pam and supporting her and her dreams and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think, does it ever really cause them? I mean, we'll, we'll discuss it a lot more next season, but, um, if it causes them a lot of difficulty and really it's just that one episode, um, was it crime aid or whatever, where Jim kind of like halfway drives to New York to see her based on some shady comments from Roy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they've been dating for a year ish now, right? So I mean, long distance is always hard, especially when someone has to leave. You know, you're yeah. used to being close and then someone leaves. I mean, long distance is just hard in general. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, because I'm trying to think if there's any parallels with Pam leaving and then Jim's Philly stuff, but not really. I mean, because no. Pam is less busy, really. Well, I, wouldn't, and, I don't know about less busy. She's got two kids, <laughs> you know, when... Well, I mean... And then on the flip, when Jim's in Philly, she's watching two kids, and it's a little bit more hectic for her while he's away. There's that one really terrible episode, um, yeah. yeah, which you know we'll talk about because it's terrible, but I'm um, super <laughs> sad. Um, yeah, so I guess not. I'm just trying to see if there's we can cut Jim any slack because Pam put him through the ringer, but not really. Pam's pretty accommodating while she's away in New York, right? And yeah, I mean there aren't too many episodes where she's in New York. What, like four or five, I think? Yeah, that sounds right. Like she's not there the whole season or something. Well, because eventually, right, she drops out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there, there's another great scene where, like, Michael 
is he, like he's still hating Holly at this point, and uh, he says something about hating her, and Dwight just agrees with him, and Michael kind of calls him out on it. Right. So, but it's interesting that like it doesn't because it really bothers Michael when Andy does it, but not so much when Dwight does it. So, do you think it's more of a because you? Droid isn't a complete yes man. He just is sometimes, or Andy always is, or what? Well, I'm a firm believer also that this season is when Dwight starts to be a little bit more insubordinate to Michael. Right. But um, to answer that question specifically, I think it's closer to like Dwight's relationship with Michael started earlier in Michael's management career. So he didn't like know of these archetypes at the time, right? So Andy comes in, now Michael's a well-seasoned regional manager, and um, it's a little easier to see through Andy's thinly-veiled compliments and invites and stuff in a way that, like, you know, Dwight was just a suck-up at a time Michael may have been new to the job and needed a suck-up, you know? Yeah, maybe I could see that, I guess. Um, But whenever I see Holly, all I can think of is the talking head with Aaron from, I think it's season seven. Yeah, where where she's like, where she's like, I don't get it. What am I missing? I don't get it. She's not a perfect forty. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Holly's grown on me. If we're to um, sexistly rate her based on looks only, um, but she's an attractive older lady. So maybe uh, maybe Aaron needs to chill out a little bit. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite gifts is just Aaron going, I don't get it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, I mean, Holly really isn't in that many episodes. Is she like 20 maybe? Yeah, I mean, she's in up till um, Crime Aid when David Wallace finds out that they're dating and then the next episode is her moving. Right. And then they break up and then um, and then she doesn't come back for what, another season or so until after Saber um, buys out Dunder Mifflin. Um, and then she's in that for a stretch and um, it feels like pretty quickly they get engaged and they decide to move away. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 20 is probably as mo- the most that she's in. Yeah, because Crime Aids, I won't say it's about halfway through season five. Yeah, give or take. No, Let's it's see. the fifth episode. <laughs> fifth episode. There you go. Holly. I mean, the season four is kind of screwy with like the weird writer strike and mm-hmm. stuff. It's easy to forget kind of what a regular office season is. Uh, especially since you and I have been embroiled in it for weeks now. Months even. I can look up Holly Flax to see how many episodes she's in. I'm getting real good at muting my microphone here. <laughs> um, da, 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 great podcasting radio. Doesn't say specifically, but yeah, she's in five. She's mentioned in six, and then we see her again in seven. Yes, yeah, so, I mean... There's really not that much. She's not really in that much. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 episodes. And one of those is voice only because that's the herpes episode, sex ed. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. And uh, it gets tough too because she's mentioned in so many because there's like, um, what is it, uh, lecture circuit and stuff where like she's kind of the focus of those episodes even though she's not in them at all. Right, and then there's the business trip episode where Michael spouts off to uh, David Wallace, like, why'd you take her away from me? Right, right. Which I think is, is that still season five? Uh, 
I don't know. I, I want to say it is, but no, 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 no. It's season no, it's season five, episode eight. Oh. Yep, it's the 80th episode overall. There you go. So we do get one of the best Creed lines ever. Yes. So Holly's going around introducing. He's like, uh, so what do you do, Creed? And he's like, I have to go. And he's just behind the fridge. He's like, I don't have to, uh, qua, qua, something. Quabity Ashwitz. Yeah, Quabity Ashwitz. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I, I'm getting close. <laughs> um, and it, it's just another great Creed even has a full-time job because he – Obviously, he comes in and during um, recall, he's like getting people fired and stuff and clearly not doing his own job. But now it's to the point where he doesn't even know the title of his position, you know? Right. It's pretty great. I admire Creed. I wish I could be like Creed. Uh, I I did read an article once about a guy who managed to outsource like 80% of his job to like like Chinese or something. And so, like he ended up funny. getting fired for it, but he, he didn't, he basically did no work for three years because he had all these other subcontractors doing his work for him. That's impressive. Yeah. That's also someone to admire, I think. So one thing that gets set up and it's sort of a longer running joke is Dwight, uh, convinces Holly that Kevin is mentally challenged. Yeah. You know, she says, like, um, special work program. Um, and also, it kind of retcons because originally Kevin was going to be applied to work in the warehouse and they moved mm-hmm. up to accounting. But uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it seemed like here he was always in a, was always going to be an accountant. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because I guess some of those like character histories, especially something like that, isn't like a super essential thing for the story. So I guess to kind of make it make sense just for that joke or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, definitely as we continue to get deeper, we're going to keep finding all these odd inconsistencies. And hopefully someone from NBC takes responsibility and emails <laughs> us <laughs> to answer for them. So... <laughs> Part of me wonders how much money did Holly end up costing Dunder Mifflin? Because if you think about it, right, so they transfer her to Scranton. Mm. Um, you know, in their mind, it's going to be permanent because they don't know Toby's coming back yet, right? Right. So they've got a, she's got to either sell a house, break a lease, something. Where is she living? I mean, because we, I mean, when Karen was there, she lived in a hotel for like, four months something mm. like that uh and then they move her back or to somewhere else i think they actually move her to another branch somewhere else that they will have to pay for and things like that so well i wonder if uh maybe like the whatever fund she gets for moving or what they reimburse for or whatever like maybe has like a set time period like maybe it's only for the first like two or three months or whatever so it's why Karen was getting so angry at some point because she's like, I'm like literally paying to live in a hotel now at this point, you know, because well, Jim's even being then, like two or three months in a hotel is not cheap. Yeah, no, that's true, too. I mean, yeah, I guess so, because I was like, well, how much is a hotel cost in Scranton, Pennsylvania? But uh, maybe a bit. 
my uh, my mother just moved to a place in PA near Scranton because I'm driving by signs. It's like Montage Mountain. And I'm like, oh, I should go mountain biking there on the weekend. But uh, yeah, so she must live near there. There's actually quite a bit of uh, city-like stuff, you know, stores and eateries and stuff. So maybe it's not the uh, bumpkin farmland they keep trying to make us believe, you know. Well, I'm sure parts of it are, you know. Great. I love it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's a great Toby thing where he comes up to Pam and is trying to get a picture with her and realizes they don't have, like, a picture of them together. He has this weird voice-cracking line of, does anyone have a camera? And yeah. it's just so sad. You're like, oh, poor Toby. Yeah. You have such a crush on this girl, and you totally could have had her if you had just manned up. Uh, well, you know, give give Pam some credit. She did to say that she found him cute, but um, you can't deny that he's awkward as shit, right? The weird lingering of leg touching and the um, right, well, bar was, trying to get a duck. Right. You know, if he had just tried to get her when she was single, he probably would have at least gotten a couple of dates. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess at that point, it just really depends on how messed up Toby actually is, like in actuality, right? Is he really this grand strangler? <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay, so we have, so Michael at this point is very smitten with Holly. Yeah. You know, it was it was love at first here, or as <laughs> when I first heard, love at the first something. I don't know. It, it's some, he said yeah. it in a really weird way. Yeah. So he's looking. He's looking at some in in three P's to make her a, a mixtape CD. Right. So what are if 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 you're gonna make a romantic mixtape CD, what's the first three songs down the chute for you? Well, so I didn't write them down, but I was thinking about them, and I think one of the first ones, at the very least, is uh, man, Brian McKnight, that song where he counts. It's like. Man, I think it's a start back at one, it's called, or something like that. Ladies out there will know what I'm talking about because <laughs> I've been told on multiple occasions by multiple people it's a very romantic song. Um, let's see. Probably followed by, um, well, on a personal level, or like what would I think Michael would pick? No, for you. Like if, if you're. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I feel like you kind of end up gravitating a lot at um, some like R&B and stuff like that. Maybe some boys to men on there, you know, <laughs> um, maybe a little Belle de, Bo- Belle de Vove, something like that. I forget that song, Poison. You, you, you'll know it. You'll know it. I'll play it for you one day, Jacob. You'll love it. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, so I, I think you got to go with some of those like uh, early 90s, late 80s R&B tracks. I think that's where we're going. Okay. Well, my wife really wanted to be a part of this conversation, so she made me write hers down so I can read them on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So her top three are Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis, mm. uh, You Belong to Me by Patsy Cline, and La Vie in Rose mm. by Louis Armstrong. That is a, a much better list than mine. <laughs> and see, in my list, they're all coming out of left field. I would be... So here we go. So number one, right out of the gate, first first track on there, first thing they're hearing, "Set Fire to the Third Bar" by Snow Patrol. Deep, okay. Deep cut there. Um, up next is "There Is" by Boxcar Racer. 
Yeah, going way back. Wow. That's, and then, that's a choice. And then rolling up the top three is If You Let Me Love You by the Small Town Poets with an alternate book of love by Peter Gabriel. Like that, 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 that'd be my, like, my flex spot. would be like, hmm, maybe book of love, maybe small town poets. I don't know. Yeah, that's a list, man. <laughs> I think the problem with your list, I mean, I was uh, in a college radio station in college, so I, I think that's how I ended up hearing about those songs that you're talking about. So maybe someone without the same music interest in you would have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Snow Patrol, I'll give you that. Snow Patrol is okay. Yeah. It, I don't know. I've got a, an affinity for Book of Love just because of the Scrubs ending. Mm. Yeah, I totally didn't cry during that. <laughs> Add it to the... Uh, finding out about Jacob podcast that this network will inevitably launch <laughs> the songs that make Jacob cry. Uh, Michael's asking about like, what's that really bad, really big band that made it from screen to you two. Just like, yep, yeah. that's it. So do you have any bands that like made it really big from your town? Uh, town, but I will say that Northern New Jersey was, uh, kind of a hub for a lot of like those emo screamo bands in like the mid aughts, you know, mm-hmm. we had census fails from around here. Um, I mean, census fails probably the biggest one that's coming to mind, but obviously we got Bon Jovi and we got the boss coming out of New Jersey in general. Right. I don't, I don't really identify with either of those guys. I'm not wanted dead or alive. And though I was born in the USA, I don't advertise it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is it? Um, I think, uh, it was a lot of like those drive through record bands, like a good chunk of them, I think, were from New Jersey. Um, early November, I think they were from around here. Okay. That helps. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're, I don't know, for whatever reason, we were not a very tough state. A lot of acoustic, <laughs> frizzy haired emo folks come from around here. <laughs> yeah. The being from small town Oklahoma, not much happens, but, um, oh, all American Rejects came from Stillwater. Oh, okay. Swing, swing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah, they uh, actually, I randomly like was with one of my other friends who knew the lead singer. So at Walmart one day, we we're just kind of like chatting for like five minutes. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're that band that's supposed to be really good that I haven't ever heard of yet. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, so what else we got here? So, well, Jim starts trying to slow Michael's roll a little bit. He starts giving him like, be friends with her, you know, don't, uh, don't push too hard. Just, just be okay. You know, just right. chill. You can, you can, you court her while you're working here in the office. So roll credits. Um, so yeah, that, which, you know, the advice was good from Jim. This is like, peak gym i think mm. like well he... i mean the i think too like the importance of comes to this revelation that he's going to propose to pam at the office you know right so like as he's listing these reasons as to why it's good to do what he's suggesting to michael he's realizing like oh even though pam just like in the episode previous was like don't you dare propose to me during a michael meeting uh he kind of comes to this realization that like based on how their relationship was formed some type of office related proposal is actually probably kind of perfect. 
But um, I think that's still debatable. <laughs> right. And so Mike, or not Michael, Jim's like, I want to buy fireworks for Toby because he mm-hmm. loves Toby, you know. It, yeah. Like, I don't know. It didn't look like that much money. It didn't look like enough money to put in those kind of fireworks. Yeah, I mean, well, Pennsylvania's lousy with fireworks, right? I mean, all my Jersey friends go to PA to go get fireworks, and I feel like they don't call, I don't know, I mean, you know, but I feel like fireworks aren't that expensive, are they? Uh. They're not. They're not cheap, especially not the ones that. Uh, I mean, the stuff you get for like you, yeah, but those things were big, big old fireworks. Right. So yeah, maybe fair. I'm wrong here, but I don't know. I just didn't seem. Uh... Well, like also too, like I mean, they don't live together at the time, but pretty soon once they start living together and having kids and stuff, like they're always kind of scrounging for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe it's a little odd that Jim would have whatever pocket change he's got going on to pay for fireworks. Um, and I don't know, maybe they got some type of deal, you know. We'll do this one for this price because you're going to hire us back for something else, and they never did it. <laughs> well, that we know of. Yeah, it's true. Well, and, you know, Mrs. Phyllis Vance does have some connections, right? Right. So she probably knew somebody who uh, owed... Uh, owed Bob a favor or was in his debt because he's totally the head of the Scranton Mafia. That's right. (laughs) When someone orders a refrigerator, it's really just to put a body in a refrigerator, (laughs) right? Like it's all keywords. (laughs) Freezer combo, I gotcha. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. Bob, Bob is dirty. No, probably. It's probably true. I'd be scared of him. (laughs) <laughs> and then you know like we have this great Kevin line where he's just like wow oh, you know she's really nice I'm totally gonna bang Holly <laughs> there's no like it's just so upfront and out there like there's there's no remorse like nah what's the word I'm looking for here there's just no there's no like tact tact there we go yeah yeah. Just kind of says this thing and kind of ruins the niceness between Holly and him, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's also Kevin, right? He's the one who goes up to someone who's wearing glasses and says, say, these are due back Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is when, like, really pervy Kevin comes out. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then we, 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 yeah, we just see more and more of that. Um, there's, there's also a really great exchange where Phyllis goes over to Angela and is like, can I have a list of your vendors? And she shows him the shredded one, shred, mm-hmm. all the shredded lists. And then Phyllis just like knocks her files over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the little battles they have in this episode are fun for the payoff at the end of the episode. So. It's, yeah, it's nice to just kind of live in all of them at the moment because one of them's about to get something shoved in their face. Right, and you see you see more of it going forward because then Phyllis becomes head of party planning committee. Uh, and But for whatever reason, Angel is still a part of party planning committee even though she hates Phyllis. Right. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is just like a nice little fun change. And honestly, this, uh, her becoming in charge of the party planning committee is probably lead 
Christmas episodes, which is the Moroccan Christmas, which I think is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Right. It is a good one. Yeah. And then, and then we have the exit interview where Michael obviously has no idea what an exit interview is, but he is ready to just deliver the smackdown on Toby. Right. He's been cruising for bruising and I'm Captain Bruising. <laughs> and you know so uh, it's just the two of them in there and um, you know he's gonna (laughs) really give it to Toby and fortunately um, Holly and Pam walk in right Mm -hmm. Um, because Holly needs to be there as part of her job and Pam is just gonna be taking notes I suppose and Toby wants her in because he's being a creep again Um, I think Pam has better judgment I'm not gonna let Pam date Toby but that's fine um, so, um, you know, they're in there and then, um, I forget that first question that Michael asks, but it's a great question because obviously it has to inspire Holly to be like, well, I have the book that we could uh, use. Well, he asked two questions like, who do you think you are? And then what gives you the right? That's right. Yeah. What which are great questions. You the right. <laughs> And we have the rock. That's a gif with like, says suck on this. He's like, and Michael freaks out, and you know Dwight's like, you made me wrap it. I thought it was over the line, but like just totally throwing well, Mike under yeah, the bus. And that's what I mean too, in terms of like Dwight's insubordination, because like regular Dwight maybe would not have like started spilling the beans on Michael so quickly, and he's not doing it in a malicious way, but like Dwight obviously knows that, and um, is like. Fib, like telling it to the whole office in a way that he wouldn't have in the earlier seasons, you know? Right. And this is a, just another example of how terrible Thunder Mifflin HR is, but I'm pretty certain this would have gotten Michael fired. You know, mm. intimidating an employee. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> even if he was quitting, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So that's going on. That's a very funny exit interview. Um, it, uh, Michael ends up giving Toby his watch, though, by Pam's suggestion. Yeah. It's like, oh, He's how like, did well, you know? I have another gift, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, well, and we know he's really proud of that watch because he has the ownership certificate on his wall in the office. That's right. <laughs> and um, earlier in the episode, we see Michael specifically set the time for, what, 6 p.m. or something or whatever, like whenever Toby is supposed to be leaving the office for good. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, they get this whole thing set up in the parking lot. My question is, who moved the cars for them? <laughs> or do you think they just did it, you know, they slowly did it one by one? So Toby wouldn't notice or. Mm, Well, I don't know if it was supposed to be a surprise per se. I mean, honestly, it's kind of unrealistic that it's a surprise because, I mean, Michael obviously has a window that faces the parking lot and then anything in that conference room faces the parking lot. Right. And Phyllis is the only one in the conference room. But, you know. Yeah. But I mean, Phyllis could be like, hey, could you move your car and like slowly because, you know, Toby can't see anything in the annex. Yeah. I mean, I guess my I didn't I didn't think they were 
But um, yeah, I imagine they just moved everybody's car to the satellite lot, like just have Oscar come out and Angela and all that jazz. Mm. Probably nice and easy. I mean, I figure on a day where they have the party planning committee setting up like an all day kind of party like this, everybody just kind of phones it in in terms of how much work they're going to put in. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not doing jack squat. Yeah. Yeah, Like this is a lost day today. So in during the exit interview, somebody finds a video of Ryan getting arrested. Yeah. So we finally find out that all of his stuff he was doing with Dunder Mifflin Infinity was fraudulent and bad. (laughs) And the real crime, though, is the beard. That's right. Um, yeah, I think it's Creed who you hear. He's like, hey, look, it's the kid. And he like calls everybody out. And then you know, Oscar makes a crack about his beard. Um, apparently, production thing, um, they record, you know, they put that video up on YouTube and said it's a private. So I guess whatever they actually were playing it from YouTube on a computer, which is a fun look to see what YouTube looked like in 2008, you know. <laughs> um, um, and then apparently when the episode actually aired, they made that video publicly viewable, which I actually didn't verify, but that's what uh, that's what the article I read said. So let's see. I mean, at this point, it's probably been ripped and posted back up like a thousand times, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. But it'd be cool to see it. So I forget what it was called. It had like asterisks in it and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and we had this great talking head of, of Kelly, like talking about visiting Ryan in prison, like, Oh damn! Oh damn! You treated her so bad when you were in prison. Yeah, <laughs> I love Kelly. She's crazy, but she's yeah, fine. she's crazy. Um, yeah. So then Michael kind of starts to break down, and he's like crying and stuff. And Holly's like, "Well, what should we do?" And Toby's like, "Well, nothing," <laughs> <laughs> um, because he knows he'll go in and he'll get yelled at or whatever. But Holly goes in and worried about his friend. And they start to have a bit of a moment and she's doing some of this caring stuff for him in a way he probably doesn't deserve. (laughs) You know, Toby's still kind of being on the outside. Rightfully so, honestly. I think if Toby walked in, he would have got his head chewed off a bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, But it all starts to like solidify Michael's feelings for Holly and like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, at this point he's already sold, right? Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he, he's already down that, that road. Yeah. So there's a really great shot. So they're interviewing Pam outside. So the party's getting started and Pam's outside. And you know she's she's asking about, you know, Jim proposing. Right. What's well, cool though, if you look in like the the windows and everything, you can actually see people on the bouncy house bouncing and stuff. So it actually looks like they had people actually there doing the stuff and not just like actors or whatever or just like mm-hmm. staging it. So yeah. I thought that was a really cool shot. It was probably unintentional, but yeah, I mean, you wonder like, is that um, are those other office park people who like are just participating in the fun of it, or whatever? Because obviously, like, this party really is only for the Dunder Mifflin staff, you know? Right. The Vance people don't give a crap, but because they took up the whole parking lot, then I guess you know everybody's kind of invited at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And we find out that. Holly left somewhat another company and I kind of wish they had said what that company was because yeah, she was um, like she left because they were always hiring from the outside and all this other stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. Many, that's what she said. Phrasings. <laughs> right. um, 
Yeah, no, it's true. They don't really know um, where. I mean, her backstory is pretty irrelevant, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I guess so. I guess it's irrelevant, but it would be interesting to me. But I want to know all the things. So, <laughs> well, for everybody listening at home, you know, Jacob is the uh, the boss of the network here. So when we have our internal discussions and stuff, Jacob's always the one who's always like spouting out crap like LLC and <laughs> talking about taxes and all this crazy stuff. And I'm just like, oh boy. Hey, I've got I've got two degrees in finance. So. <laughs> I know. So you got to use it somehow, right? Yeah, because I don't use it for my regular job. <laughs> That's right. I have used my, like, I can count the number of times on one hand, the number of times I've actually used my degree. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, not to get down depressing post-college lane or anything, but I will say definitely <laughs> that's something, like, after I graduated, I was like, oh, man, what do I do with this now, you know? <laughs> um, so if you can use it to tell all of your other young friends how to run a podcasting network, then you <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> yeah. I graduated at the wrong time to use my degree. <laughs> we were about eight months before the, the collapse in 2008. Yeah. So we're in a lot of jobs. Um, hmm. I guess the uh, other big thing um, is we've, find out so kevin goes to the store to help out fellas and he runs into jan and we find out she's pregnant right which um so there, there, there's a lot of implications because she does say it happened while we were together yeah so that, that's a big implication right there right so my question is is this one reason why michael was going broke was was she not just spending his money on a new condo, but or redoing the condo, but also on fertility treatments? Because those aren't cheap; those are like five, ten thousand, fifteen thousand a pop. No, yeah, I mean Oscar pretty much goes through his finances, though. I feel like Oscar would have spotted out something that seemed uncharacteristic of Michael to get. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true too. Um, and presumably, I mean, well, I don't know. Jan should have had money. I feel like it was a situation where she just wasn't spending her own money. Or maybe this is um, what she was spending her own money on. Right. That that could be too. That's why she was relying so much on Michael and why he was ended up being broke during those times. Right. Because, yeah. And we also find out that poor Michael had used two condoms. I'm like, that just seems, that just seems bad. <laughs> I mean, it's generally suggested as a bad idea. Because the friction between the two would actually cause both of them to break. And really, you're just impregnating everybody while wasting two prophylactics. Not very economical. You still have to raise a baby, which is also probably one of the most uneconomical things to do. Yeah, it definitely uh, is not cheap. Yeah. Um, Just a quick update on this Ryan Howard YouTube video. According to a uh, screenshot I've pulled up here, it looks like it was posted by a username, Eric in NYC, no spaces. Um, But looking at YouTube, the original video does not seem to exist. There is a post from eight years ago by a user called MOP Industries. Um, Ryan from my office gets busted, updated December 13, 2009. I can't believe how many views this video has gotten. That sounds like shit. So the OG video is no longer live, which is a little sad. That, that would have been a, a cool sad. little relic to find mm-hmm. in the history of the YouTubes. 
Okay. Close that. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's crazy to see Jan pregnant for sure. I think that's like one of the few shocking twists that the show offers, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Like they break up and you feel like you'll never see Jan again. And if you do, it's not because she has a baby. And then also not like if you see her, not because it's not, it's like roller coaster ride city. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and it's kind of confusing as to what her goal is discussing this with Michael. Like obviously she didn't go out of her way to talk to him and, Right. It was Kevin who kind of started this whole conversation between the two. But it ends with her kind of being like friendly and saying, well, why don't you come on down? It's like, well, what role does she expect Michael to have in this kid's life? Well, she seems like she wants to get back with him on some level. Yeah. Part of me wonders if it's just like as like a uh, like a weekend dad, you know, so she could still do her Jan things and pawn the kid off maybe on the weekends or something. So she still has her time to do her stuff. Uh, More be. like taking advantage of Michael's want to have a kid as opposed to, you know, any type of genuine desire to have him involved. Right. And I also kind of wonder if Jan would have said anything to him if she hadn't run into Kevin and got that ball rolling. Right. Is it one of those things like, oh, he's here. Maybe I can get what I want, you know, or, you know, so I don't have yeah. to go through this alone kind of deal. Right. Right. But even then she does go, she does get birth alone. So. Yeah, doesn't she do the bathtub birth? Yeah, that's what I, what I understand, yeah. Uh, so kind of we're getting near the end here. Um, and, like Jim's about to propose, and then Andy jumps up on stage and proposes to Angela, and we see Andy's first set of parents, which are not the same set of parents from later in the show. Right, right. Yeah, I was looking to see even if the mom was the same lady, but I, they're not. It's an entirely different family. Entirely I'm different. Sure. Yeah. And no Josh Groban. Yeah, and so you have this very, um, very pregnant Angela saying, okay. Yeah. I said, okay. I mean, honestly, I think they did a pretty good job because I feel like my girlfriend didn't realize that um, Angela was pregnant watching those scenes. Like if we're just watching it and not looking for it, they do a pretty good job, I think. They do. It's just, yeah, you can definitely tell the weight gain is there in her face. There are like but... some moments. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this really Sorry. wonderful scene with Dwight where he just like, he just says, it's it's all my fault. He uh. like, he took it upon himself. Like This is one of the, you know, growth moments for Dwight where he's just like, yep, I did it. It was my fault. I screwed up. No yeah. way around it. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been nice if he felt that way, you know, however many episodes ago Fun Run was in the beginning of the season. Right. They murdered an animal. But, um, yeah, I think sometimes, too, because they're together for a while, right? Like, before Jim's barbecue is the timeline that we're given. Like, right. Uh, so, two-ish years they were together? Yeah. So, and it's like a serious relationship because they're leaving stuff at each other's places or whatever and... They have keys to each other's apartments. Like, you know, it's like they're a hop, skip, and a jump away from living with each other, you know? Mm. I mean, um, I don't know. If you're dating for over a year, it's <coughs> starting to get pretty serious in my book. Well, as an adult, as a proper adult. Yeah. Because when I was watching this, I was still in college. So I was I was a wee baby. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's nothing. I date chicks for years all the time. Ain't no thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Yeah, yeah they, so yeah, he stands up or whatever. Um and of course Angela answers in the best Angela way, right? 
she's like yes and he's like into the mic sweetie and she's like i said yes like, uh, uh, she said okay oh okay that's she said okay yeah and, and he's like she said yes yeah yeah and um yeah, and it kind of ruins the esteem that Jim had. Like it was like, like you said, it was seconds away, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had his hand on the ring in his pocket, um, and it's kind of a, a kind of a bummer uh, that it happens that way. I mean, because also too, because it's kind of weird. Because uh, spoiler alert, but the next episode in weight loss, the right. second half of weight loss, but you know, depending on how you watched it, like it just happens the next time. So, oh well, yeah, but, then it, but yeah. it was. I mean, granted, weight, the way weight loss is done, it does cover over the summer, but you right. know, so for us watching episode to episode, it was, yeah. you know, full summer break. You're just like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, because it's not really used uh, to an effect of, like, surprising anybody, though, you know? Yeah. yeah. Not like um, the baby announcement, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is just kind of done. They're like, let's get it over with. Because at a point, too, with the Jim Pam stuff, it's like like they had to get together. And at some point, we just know they're going to get married. So do the writers, like, fluff that up to make it, like, a storyline that everybody's, like, leading up to, which is, like, what they did here to kind of, like, trick everybody. But then, like, the baby announcement gets a big thing. Niagara Falls is a double episode. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, honestly, the second kid, because they have two kids, right? The second kid pregnancy, right. I totally forget how that happens. Uh, I mean, it's not a big deal. No, it's it's over the season. Uh-huh. It's a it's a new it's another uh, it's a season a season premiere, and they show that she's pregnant again. Um, was Jenna Fisher pregnant both times? No, like, for real. No, she was definitely pregnant once. Yeah, but I forget one of those. T- I don't know if she was pregnant both times or not. <laughs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that all goes down and stuff, and um, what, Michael's not even there for that. So Michael comes in after all that's done, and um, Holly approaches him and kind of like, you know, lays it on. She's like, you know, one of your sales reps uh, asked uh, asked to get married to one of your accountants, and I don't know which one. <laughs> Michael's like, I imagine Angela, but Oscar makes sense too or whatever. Right. I could see both, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right, and then like really the next big thing for the episode is Phyllis catching Angela and Dwight boning on the desk, mm-hmm. which gets referenced later when uh they're they're talking about having sex in the office, and or Oscar's like, "Where Dwight?" and Dwight's like, "I think you know." <laughs> That's right. I mean, technically speaking, that angle it looks more like it's on Angela's desk, but that's not the only time they've probably done it in there. So I'm sure it's all over all of those accountants' desks, you know, <laughs> a little bit on Oscar's, a little bit on Angela's, all over Kevin, some on the floor behind Pam's desk, you know, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't. I see Angela being as the person who wouldn't want to want to do it on her desk, but want to do it on other people's desks because she's kind of vindictive like that. Right. Right. I mean, it's tough, though. I mean, I guess it depends how you feel about that kind of stuff. But sex juices on someone's desk feels like a kind of a a personal attack in a way that, like, even taking a dump on someone's desk seems a little less malicious, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Because, like, at least with, you know, like with the thing on the carpet, like, everybody knows. But the secretness of (laughs) post-coital nonsense seems like a... 
I, I can understand Oscar's um, reaction. Oh, it's tough. You can obviously understand it. <laughs> I mean, because you know they're not walking over there with Lysol wipes trying to like clean up what they've done. You know, they're just putting piles of paper back in order and stuff. <laughs> but all that's just sitting. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> um, and as you said, this is what uh, Phyllis kind of uses to keep her position as head of party planning committee. Right. Yeah, change it over Angela's head, and it's kind of like a blackmailing kind of situation. And this really, I mean, this this really sets up a lot of the next four seasons, you know, or five, five seasons with Dwight going back and forth and cheating with Angela at different times. And, I mean, right. it's a major plot point for the first, what, well, pretty much all of season five or the majority of season five. So yeah, I mean, there, there's just so much stuff that gets set up in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, especially now, like after season four, the show runners are like making this shift to focus on these other characters because the Jim Pam thing is starting to really take a um, a pretty obvious road. You know, now they're engaged. They're going to get married at some point. Then there's going to be a kid at some point. Um, You know, so then we have this really interesting, you know, three way cheating relationship between Andy and Dwight and Angela. Um this isn't I'm trying to think. Who else I feel like there's some other characters that have some moments. I mean, Ryan comes back as a temp, so then Ryan mm-hmm. and Kelly become kind of a thing again. Right. Um, there's Kelly know, so, and yeah. Daryl for a while and Right, right. Yeah. So you know, we, we kinda of take a shift and we change it up a bit and um it I think that's kind of a fun thing. Like it's hard to it's funny to like watch Diversity Day, for example, right, in season one and see how like little apart Angela and Kelly have to know where they are near the end of the show where, you know, Kelly's relationship is kind of important to the plot. Like, is she going to go out with the doctor or is Ryan on the horse going to seduce her away or whatever? You right. Know? Yeah. I mean, and most uh, I mean, a lot of season eight and season nine focus on Angela and the senator and all that. Stuff. And Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's really. I mean, so there. I mean, there's a lot, and we've we've skipped over some stuff too. I mean, but like you said, just such a dense episode, and really the only way to do it justice is if you just watch the damn episode. <laughs> uh, but it's got a lot. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of deleted scenes and stuff. I think Troy actually comes back in one of these deleted scenes. Um, and I forget how it is, but I feel like I had heard somewhere, like on a director commentary, that um they treat the deleted scenes as if they're canon. We just don't see it happen because very rarely, I guess, is a deleted scene, something that contradicts what we see in the actual published episode. Um, so I think that's why when I was buying the DVDs, I was like so adamant about watching the happening. Um, like that one deleted storyline with Meredith when um, the convict was right. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, here we go. Troy stops by the office to talk to Michael. He's cagey about why he came to Scranton instead of Ryan, saying that he now reports directly to Wallace. After the YouTube video is discovered, Dwight asks him if he knows anything about the arrest. He merely says, maybe I do. Yeah, so Troy is considered Michael's uh, Ryan's drug dealer, but in this conversation in a deleted scene, he says he reports to Wallace, which also makes me think he works at Dunder Mifflin in some capacity. But yeah, I guess he could be lying. I don't know. Do hobbits lie? Is that part of their alignment in D&D? <laughs> Uh, you don't know. <laughs> All right, so what what are you rating this episode? Um, you know, I 
probably end up giving it something like a uh, a 3.9 out of 5 Ferris wheels. Oh wow. Okay. You know, it's 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 a it's a good episode obviously, but it's I think it's fine. It's not like super funny. A lot of stuff happens in it in terms of plot or whatever, but like it's not an office episode I go out of my way to rewatch, you know. I don't know. I uh I'm going to give this a uh a 4.9. Ooh, too high. All right. <laughs> 4.9 out of 5 uh Holly Grams. I see. That's great. <laughs> That's very funny. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> All right. So, uh what are your thoughts on season 4? Uh like it, dislike it? Where does it rank in your, you know, seasons of The Office? <laughs> Well, so I've said it since we started this show, but I think the show falls off after season three. So um, one through three are like my favorite seasons for sure. But four is probably fourth or fifth place, I think, out of the bunch because it's, you know, the Sabre stuff is really different. You know, they introduce a lot of characters that really change it up. Robert California, Nelly, um, even just like the concept of selling printers. Like it's enough to really kind of change up the dynamic of that workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course anything without Michael also really feels kind of like a different show. But um, so, so season four is up there only because I dislike everything else so much. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see if that, we'll see if that changes as a, uh, as we keep watching, as right? We keep yeah. Watching, yeah. I really like this season. It's a weird season because of the writer's strike and all the long episodes, but there's so many yeah. really good episodes in here. Night well, yeah, I, I agree. There are some some episodes that I did, I I consider classic in my head, and I forgot that they were part of the season. You got Night Out, Did I Stutter, Job Fair, Dinner Money. Party, Money, Fun Run, Local Ad, uh, Survivor Man. Survivor Man's really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really high quality episodes in this season. Yeah, for a season that has less episodes, they're of higher quality overall. Mm. So I, I think what I dislike about the season is just like the direction that the show starts to take, you know? It's just some stuff that I'm like, eh, it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> some odd character moments and you know, just, just stuff that is not my favorite stuff, I guess. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, what, are, what are your top episodes of this season? Uh, this is tough. Um, dinner Party. I love Dinner Party. I used to hate it, but now I love it. Uh, Fun Run and oof, what's the third one? That's a good one. Oh man, there's so money or probably money. Well, that's a good episode too. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give it to uh, Money, uh, the deposition, and uh, yeah, you know maybe Dinner Party. I get. I mean, I get Dinner Party. But um, and and I, I have fun watching other people watch Dinner Party, but I can't say that I enjoy watching it myself. I mean, it is still awkward, even though I know what's coming. You know, he whips out that big neon light. She starts rocking out to uh, the Hunted or whatever, and um, it's just I'm sitting there cringing, covered in a fleece blanket, hoping it's over. <laughs> Uh, just wait. We got Scott Todd's coming up in like a couple of seasons. I'm busy that day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, so uh, next time we'll get into season five and hopefully mm-hmm. get back on a normal kind of four episode schedule. Hopefully. 
Yeah, I mean, like Jacob said, I mean, there's a lot of these odd, longer episodes that kind of have a lot of stuff going on and with life stuff happening with us. So we had some kind of funky scheduling going on with season four, but season five gets back to a little bit normal, and I think we're getting back to a little bit normal, so should be mm-hmm. good. Yep, yep. Well, thanks for coming out to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, uh, you can reach us at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com, brokenjars at xyz. Uh, at Broken Jars Pod on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars if you want to give us some monies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So please, uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you and, uh, see you next time. Bye.